and welcome to Military Reunion Network Radio. I'm Sharon Danachek, your host. You know, one of the things that we uh, get asked about quite a bit is uh, speakers. Uh, military reunion planners want to book a speaker for their uh, final banquet uh, at their reunion. And the question is, how do you find them? How much do they cost? What are the contracts like? What are I responsible for? Do I have to pay for their travel? So we are fortunate to have uh, with us today, Diane Goodman. She is the founder of Goodman Speaker Management, and uh, we're here to talk about all things speakers for military reunions, Diane. So thanks for joining us. I really appreciate it. And it's my pleasure to be here with you. So thank you for inviting me. Um, I think you grew up in the speaker world. Um, that was your almost your entire career, wasn't it? So many, many years ago, I was... Um, volunteering for some women's organizations. This was back in the years of the women's movement and so forth. And we were putting on some lecture series. So that was the committee I joined. And what I realized right away was that there was very limited access to or places to find speakers to participate in in lectures and things. So it this little light went off in my head and said, huh, well, if we're struggling to find speakers, I bet other organizations are as well. And all I knew at that point in my life, I had three little kids and I really, I had not had any business background, I had a few years of college. And um, I just started brainstorming a little bit with myself and saying, well, let's see what's out there. And so I started talking to some different speakers, mostly in a regional way, because I really didn't know there was a big world out there of meetings and things. And um, what I found was that there were very few, um, as I said, resources for speakers, but also all these organizations out there that were needing them. So I put a little brochure together and I bought this mailing list that I checked off things like nonprofits and garden clubs and just little things that I felt I knew. Uh -huh. And my little tear off cards came back from corporate saying they were looking for motivational speakers and journalists and economists. And I like took a step back and said, what is this? So I just um, called them up and made appointments because then there was certainly no internet to email with people. Yeah. And I made appointments with them and it's very interesting that they actually took my call and set an appointment with me. And I very quickly learned that there was this whole world of meetings and conferences out there that absolutely used speakers and they actually paid for them, which was also a surprise because I hadn't really thought about how I'd make money at this little venture I was starting. Again, my volunteerism just came through. And so that's really kind of how I got started. And as I said, it was at a very young age and I really didn't know what I was doing, but I, I, really believe in you know being self-taught in many ways you learn so much more you listen differently i think when you are naive and don't know much you ask a lot of questions and mm -hmm. and that's and that's how you learn and so um that took me on a path of you know associations and corporations organizations whatever and that's that's the direction i kind of stayed and here we are 40 years later i, I think i would have freaked out if i had decided that my niche was was the more the social, the gardening and and the the club type of information and and you know speaker and to have <laughs> to have a corporation say no, we'd like an economist, please. Yeah, right. Yes. 
And I will tell you the very, very first engagement that I ever did with a corporation, it was for Aetna, as a matter of fact, and it was with the director of meeting planning. He looked at me straight in the eye and he said, do you know that you are in a billion dollar industry? And oh. <laughs> I wanted to say that I really didn't know how many zeros were in a billion. I knew about trillion, but I didn't know, you know. But anyway, he really, and he gave me my very first opportunity and it was a real challenge. And I came through for him. And from that point forward, he told the entire organization to use my services. And it was just a really, you know, things happen for a reason, I guess. And, yeah, you know, yeah. and he was really a mentor to me for many years. So that was- so so it's interesting that you bring up before the internet, you know, you, you now you've established the fact that there's a company that has a need for a specific speaker with a specific mm -hmm. topic. Mm -hmm. How did you go about finding them? Well, the research person at the library in my town became my best friend. Mm -hmm. and, and I would call her up and say, could you please tell me how to reach Walter Cronkite? And she would look in who's who of America and she would give me the address and I would sit at my little typewriter. I don't know what I had, but probably typewriter. And I would type a letter and put it in the mail and wait for some response. I mean, oh it's hard to, it's really, you know, almost inconceivable to think that that was not that long ago. I mean, it was 40 years ago, which mm -hmm. is considerable. But I mean, how much has changed how we work, how we research, how we vet people, yeah. um, all kinds of things, because now we're so dependent on the internet. And that presents um, issues and challenges in itself. You started asking people if they had a need for speakers, but then the other side is you have to build up your speaker pool started well to I, I did discover that there there was a whole world of, of speakers out there that i really of course did not know either because it was all new to me you know i just started meeting people and networking with people and understanding the different types of speakers that are out there all the different fee ranges so so i would then go research those people and and over time you just kind of build up a roster to me the most challenging part is, is that speaker going to deliver? It's not only their story, it is their engagement, their ability, almost their, the ability to entertain and captivate um, and uh, make the audience, you know, think a bit about the information that, that that speaker is providing. So how do you, I think that that to me is, is the biggest challenge. Totally. Um, yeah, um, I agree with you 100%. And I will tell you what I do when I'm about to work with someone I've never worked with and um, they say all those things about themselves. I ask for references. And even though it's easy to email someone for a reference, I pick up the phone and call the person because I will tell you, people will tell you things over the phone they will not put in writing. Uh -huh. And you would be amazed at some of the things that I've learned about about speakers. Not all the time, most yeah. of the time they're they're they give very good re recommendations. But there have been a few of be aware, uh, never again. Uh -huh. And I mean, it's a simple phone call or two that can really give you some insight to how other people have experienced. So Why don't we talk a little bit about? Um best practices and, and kind of the do's and don'ts of, of booking um, and things to be thinking about and maybe some of the myths around, um, you know, different speakers. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, it's such a, um, it, it, each, I'm sure each organization, each reunion planning um, organization, I think the most important thing is is for that committee or those few people who are going to be uh, thinking about or planning or securing the speaker to to present have to really step back and ask some questions. I find oftentimes, uh, especially committees, and I don't mean to um, not be respectful of committees because I've been on many of them, but oftentimes committees get very personal becomes personal to each individual on the committee instead of collectively thinking about the people who are going to be at that reunion. Yeah, It's not just about them. It's about the people who are going to attend. What are they going through? What are some of their concerns these days? What, what is going to make them feel like this was the best reunion ever? I think sometimes we forget to ask those, those very um, just emotional questions. What is mm-hmm. the feeling you want people to have when that speaker finishes? Do, are they going to be joyous? Are they going to be, uh, you know, happy? Are they going to be thoughtful? Or what? You know, I mean, I think that's the very first thing that has to be identified. What do you want to do this year? What is the message you want communicated? And and that those are tough questions, and it, it does require you know a lot of conversation. Um, you know, maybe surveying members. I don't know how how your your people do that, but um, that to me is is really one of the most important things is to ask a lot of those really good thoughtful questions up front. Yeah. And once you've identified that, then then you can go about the process of trying to identify. And I don't I don't know what resources your members use right now. I know on on your website you do have a a speaker um, tab, um, mm-hmm. but I, I'm sure that you and they use other resources as well. So I'd be curious to know from your perspective, how are you finding most of the members? Um, are they, where are they searching? How are they finding people? What is their process? Is there is there like a standardized process or it's each group does their own thing? I think it's kind of more ad hoc actually, because uh-huh. um, you know military reunions, their whole purpose their whole goal is to spend time together. And so mm-hmm. um, so that is because that's the primary focus. It's not education. It's not information. It's really connection. And mm-hmm. so um, they can have a successful reunion, whether or not they have a speaker or not. And so, but the, but the speaker is kind of the icing on the cake uh, for mm-hmm. many of them. And so we encourage them um, and we encourage our destination and hotel partners um, you know, it, to be to be thinking about the local people in that geographic area where the reunion is going to take place. And the example that I would give would be Columbus, Ohio and Dayton, Ohio. Uh, there's a gentleman um, named Wayne Motts who is uh, has a Motts Military Museum, who is one of the most engaging speakers. He's a storyteller and he has um in his museum he has interesting artifacts like um lincoln's hairbrush or oh. a, a bible that a soldier was wearing that had he was wearing in his, his chest pocket mm. and it had a bullet in it um you know mm. it just he he just has a wide variety of um stories to tell about his 
not only his time of service, but his museum and how it came to be. So it's so it's that kind of thing um, where, you know, if you're look if if there is a reunion planner that's looking for somebody as as um, entertainment for their last mm -hmm. night dinner, which is their banquet, mm -hmm. um, I encourage them to talk locally. Yeah. Um, well, and, and I would so, think the, the Convention Visitors Bureaus in each of those cities, I, I would think are very helpful in that regard to identify yeah. uh, local uh, resources for either speaking or entertainment or whatever, which, which is wonderful. I mean, again, just because they're in the community and just because they might fit into the military kind of genre that you might look for, does not mean, and I'm sure many of your members would agree, does not mean they're good speakers or right. you know engaging or whatever. So again, that's that delicate balance of identifying some of those people, but then you have to do your due diligence. That's when you make those phone calls. That's when you ask to see a videotape or yeah. or you know something like that because you the last thing you want is for your attendees to be disappointed. Exactly. Or, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So here's a question for you. How do reunion planners protect themselves and, and make sure that the speaker that they've hired kind of stays in their lane? Well, speakers are human beings and they're unpredictable sometimes. And again, the more vetting and and work you do prior to, uh, the better chance you have that that's not going to happen. I think you want to be perfectly clear, and I don't know what kind of contracts and things you use, but um, you there's nothing wrong in putting in a speaker's contract, uh, something to that effect that, you know, apolitical, all that kind of stuff. And, you mm -hmm. know, it, it is worth trying to say, look, we're not paying you full fee. You didn't fulfill the commitment that you said you would. So therefore, whatever. And you figure that out. Speaking of fees, um, in conversation with military reunion planners, they say a lot, oh, we don't want to have a speaker because they cost too much. Mm -hmm. And um, there's that myth that if you don't have $10,000 in your pocket, then you're mm -hmm. not going to contract with a speaker. So let's talk about cost a little bit. Sure. Um, you know, fees are all over the place. And um, I'm one, you know, and I've, I've been challenged <laughs> to my point of view on this, but um, just because a speaker says they want $10,000, there's no harm in taking a reasonable offer to a speaker. I'm, mm -hmm. I'm a big promoter of that, especially for nonprofits. I mean, yeah. I always ask speakers, do you have a nonprofit fee, education fee, that sort of thing? 99% of speakers absolutely will negotiate their fee on behalf of that type of organization. You know, your your organization, your uh, reunions can determine themselves. You know, they know what their budgets are and they can be, I, I would be absolutely upfront straight out when they're having conversations that this is who you are, definitely nonprofit, yeah. this is our budget and truly that's it. We just can't, we can't do more. Are you willing to work with us? And I, I guarantee you that many speakers will say, I will do my best or whatever mm -hmm. and try to work that out. So one of the things in addition to cost, I've, I've worked with some speakers when we have our, a big educational conference every year. I've worked with some speakers that will say, um, just provide to me, they call it an honorarium. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and uh, the the second layer of that will be I will pay travel costs or I'll pay their for their hotel. Mm -hmm. um, and you know other speakers will just say, you know, Sharon, that's fine. Just I, I wrote a book, so you know, sell my book. 
or buy mm-hmm. 100 copies of my book, um, mm-hmm. which is a benefit to them. So there's a wide variety of things. Is is it typical if a speaker is, in, in your experience, if a speaker is coming from, um, you know, is having to travel to that destination to, mm-hmm. to speak, is it typical for the organization that's hiring them to pay their travel expenses or a travel yes. stipend of some sort? Yes. Okay. And um, I would say that I prefer to come up with a flat fee. Yeah. Um, you can pretty much estimate what airfare would be and you add in, you know, what ground transportation, meals, whatever, just come up with a flat fee that includes mm-hmm. everything. It's so much easier. I can't remember the last time that we had to have speakers submit in um, receipts that we then had to send to the client for them to then go back to accounting. It's just so much easier to do it all at once. The fee yep. plus expenses yep. all inclusive or whatever, just make it an inclusive fee for sure. Yeah, no, I agree with that wholeheartedly. Uh, from the standpoint, again, you know, speakers are human beings, as you as you said, and, and they get busy and they might book their, their flights a week before they have to fly right. versus uh, two months before they have to fly and the, exactly. the pricing difference is is astronomical so right. that's um, why if you it, put that flat fee in the contract yeah that's it that, that yeah. then they eat it you know i i look at it too that you know really in the scope of things at the end of the day they it's probably breaks even they may even make a little more money along the way who knows but i mm-hmm. think it's very fair to come up with a flat fee <coughs> excuse yep. me and um and most speakers are very open to that for sure. Let's talk about the the day of the speaking engagement. And I know that it, different speakers um, kind of have a different style. Uh, mm-hmm. if, if there's a military reunion that's working with a brand, a, a speaker that's brand new, yeah. um, what are some of the things that they can do or or that prior to to that speaker getting on stage to make them you know more comfortable um you know i'm thinking of of uh, room temperature water a bottle water on the stage mm-hmm. that not a lot of people mm-hmm. think about you know what are the right. what are the types of things you know should they do a, a run through should they do a mic check should they do you know what should the reunion planner be doing to to make that presentation very very seamless all of the above um yeah. <laughs> i think it's very very important is to even before you contract get their av requirements you want to make sure that the uh, venue hotel whatever it is set up to meet those needs without the organization having to spend lots of money renting different equipment yeah. that can get very very costly so you want to see that before you even contract to see if everything if do you really need all that? You know, are you okay with just this? You know, that sort of thing. You have that conversation up front. You also, um, you want the speaker to come in the day before. No, no questions about it. Even though it might be an evening event, you want them in the day before. Given mm-hmm. what's going on with airlines, weather, everything else, it's worth that extra hotel night cost to your organization if it requires yeah. two nights um, to be secure that they're there. Uh-huh. Absolutely, you want to set up a time for an AV check. Um, whether or not they use, you know, PowerPoint or whatever, doesn't matter if they don't, and that just they just need a lavalier or their handheld mic. You want them to do that ahead of time. Come down, meet the AV team, look at the stage, get up on stage, get a feel for the room. All of that makes them much more comfortable. 
yes, you want to have water on stage. You also want to know, do they want a podium or don't want a podium? Some people yeah. like, you know, to walk the stage, don't like to have a podium in the middle of it to have that they have to walk around. Um, uh, introductions, make sure you get the introduction ahead of time, show it to them when, when they're there. Oftentimes I find organizations somehow take the liberty of going out onto the internet or Googling the speaker's name and coming up with all kinds of crazy things to use in the introduction. <laughs> and they don't show it to the speaker ahead of time. <laughs> I mean, and, and people really have fun doing that, you know, kind of creating their own intro, even though most speakers will provide you their preferred intro. Right. Make sure that everyone's in sync on that because the worst thing you can do is have someone introduce a speaker in a way that they are not happy or it's outdated information or whatever. And then they have to walk out on stage and say, um, that was 20 years ago or something, you know, so those are just, you know, a few tips I would say. Um, but all those details should be uh, provided upfront times set upfront uh, before the speaker even arrives, they should know you know, what time the AV check is, who's going to meet them. You may, mm -hmm. sometimes it depends on the speaker, but sometimes speakers do like to sort of be escorted to the ballroom or met, mm -hmm. you know, I generally will meet people like at the elevator. I like to be there, hold, not to hold their hands, but sort of hold their hand and just yeah. make sure they get a lay of the land or whatever and have any questions, then, then they can be addressed right then and there um, at the AV check and everything. So everyone's on the same page for the event itself. We we like to call them uh, speaker buddies, um, yeah. just to be able to and and to have just just that is it is their their go to person because if it, you know the yes. military reunion planner is going to be swamped with yes you know okay when is when is dinner going to be served and they're going to be doing a lot of other things all the logistical so, things for sure right. and the other thing about the buddy is that oftentimes speakers can get such great insight from that buddy who's uh -huh. going to spend some time with them walking down the halls going back and forth this or that they ask good questions they learn they get better insight into the audience and that sort of thing so it, it i yeah. that's great i love that i love the name of that too a speaker buddy i love it. well that's you're great. you're welcome to use it <laughs> great. <laughs> yeah um yeah. let's talk about the the top five do's and the don'ts of of booking uh, a speaker for your military reunion? I think we've talked a lot about most of that, but um, we can get specific. Um, as I said, the, in my opinion anyway, the, from the start, really focus and identify exactly what you want to accomplish. Mm -hmm. that, that's most important before you do anything. Do your research, do your due diligence, take that extra time to vet the speaker really really important the other thing too uh, when you're when they're vetting uh, you know again asking the quest, right questions up to the speaker up front um oftentimes you know everyone wants to feel that a speaker is going to sort of customize their presentation to their particular audience because every every audience is a little bit different and um and so you need to really ask them what that means to them does it mean mm -hmm. that they're just going to get up and say, oh, it's great to be here in you know, Fort Lauderdale today kind of thing, and the rest is just a canned speech? I think right. to, really feel, to really feel that it's been a, a very uh, special occasion, you want to feel that the speaker really knows where they are and who they're talking to. 
and I would be remiss if I didn't say, you know, that there are there's a world of speakers bureaus and speaker management companies out there that are wonderful mm -hmm. resources for people who are looking for speakers. Um, it does not cost the organization any more money. These speakers pay those organizations to be part of their their rosters. And so, um, you know, we've done all the, the work up front. So um, it, it certainly is, is something that your members uh, should at least consider reaching out to. Yeah. Okay. So, so that brings up a question. You have speaker management and you have speakers mm -hmm. bureaus what is the difference is it pretty clear yeah. is it a gray area i mean well, it, what is the difference? yeah the word speakers in itself is confusing so um a speakers bureau now i had a bureau for 40 years that i sold uh, about three and a half years ago and a bureau uh works primarily let's say um, for your organization, their job is to find you the best speaker out there within your budget to meet your parameters and pretty much have access to anyone in the world. Uh, there's some that not all bureaus can secure, like former presidents and things like that. Um, mm -hmm. those, are, those are special. They're, you know, with organizations that they're exclusive with, which makes perfect sense. Um, so the bureaus really have um, a much more diverse group of speakers that they can tap into to make recommendations for. Speaker management companies, um, like myself, uh, now I chose to kind of stay with the speaker management once I sold the bureau. Um, I manage 13 speakers. So my job is to help them build their speaking career and liaison with those speakers bureaus. So we work with many speakers bureaus across the country okay are you know that they love our speakers and they're going to recommend them and again no additional cost to anybody um on this at all this is all the way the this industry works the speaker industry works that it's all done without having to charge the end user your organization more money than they would charge mm -hmm. anyone else we're kind of like the back office of these speakers so that they don't mm -hmm. have to have an admin or whatever we do all everything for them yeah. all their you know accounting and contracting and all that kind of stuff so so speaking of contracting um in the in the military reunion network world uh we talk a lot about hotel contracts and mm -hmm, mm -hmm. the ability for um the military reunion planners to negotiate those hotel contract terms if they if mm -hmm. they see terms that are uh maybe more one-sided to present uh, a language that um is more balanced and so mm -hmm. would that would that be the same in a speaker's contract i mean the, the yes, and I, I think, you know, you would find, I you know, I'm assuming that most speakers, if you were to go direct to a speaker, um, have some kind of contract. Uh, again, yeah, I would agree with you. Read the, read the language very carefully. Um, there's going to be cancellation clauses that are, you know, make perfect sense because if a speaker is going to block off a date in their calendar for your group, um, if you cancel certain days out, you're going to still have to pay. Mm -hmm. Or, I mean, certainly with the pandemic, a lot of things just got moved to the next year. Right. Um, well, most people are pretty reasonable, I have found, but there shouldn't be too much in a contract, a speaker contract, that uh, your members should be overly concerned about. Mm -hmm. um, I I like to look at in, indemnification. I want to always make sure it's mutual. Yeah. Um, oftentimes, I mean, I, I find um, like sort of the corporate side of those 
big contracts, they're always one-sided. One and that's one thing I just always say, sorry, either make it mutual or take it out, one or the other. Right. So, right. you know, that kind of thing. I mean, so probably no different, um, Sharon, from hotel stuff that you would typically be looking at that red flag would say, yeah, that just doesn't sound right, you know? Mm -hmm. And then if you don't understand it, then just find out what it means. What does that right. mean? What's the implication? Um, so a question also about on the contract about um, speaker fees and when those are paid. Is it mm -hmm. is it half before and half ap after? What's typically the the standard for standard speaker fees? Standard is peers? probably fifty percent, yeah, um, upfront. Um, some require the remainder ten days out. Some will say, yeah, ten days after is fine. It's all it's it's you know it's different for each group. Let, let's talk about your speaker management because you you mentioned that you you said 13 was it 13 speakers that you yes. support well they're um a variety and i do it purposely to have a variety of people i don't want them to sort of be too similar mm -hmm. um and so you know we have some uh, coaches or uh, sports people who talk about team stuff we have um a uh, futurist we have a comedian we have um, a wellness person. We, I mean, just a variety of, of different topics that um, a lot, there's, I would say a good half of them at least have very sort of interpersonal kinds of topics that are mm -hmm. pretty much uh, geared toward, can be geared toward families, um, more on the personal side versus your work life, so to speak. Yeah. Um, yeah, just a variety. I, I welcome um, anyone to just go to the website and poke around a little bit. It's just goodmanspeakermanagement.com, pretty easy. But um, there, there's a few, I think, that could be quite um, intriguing and meaningful, um, bring some joy to to the to the event. So um, yeah, there's, there's definitely some that are not so business focused, but are more personal focused. And I think that's, it sounds like that's what they look for. Uh, Michelle Rigby Assad, she's one of my speakers. She is a um, she was an undercover uh, interrogator for the CIA in the Middle East for ten years. She interrogated terrorists, and she is amazing. She is fascinating, and so she is one I think absolutely they would embrace, and and the spouses would as well because um, she's just so. Um, you look at her and you would never in a million years guess that she, that's what she did. But mm -hmm. she talks about the, you know, how the, the struggles of that and what it was like to be in the CIA, especially as a woman, she can talk about that. Um, but also just the challenges of, of the training and those are the things that they would identify with. I mean, and, and she truly customizes her talks to an audience. So, so, um, so yeah, okay. Um, so one of the last things that we we haven't talked about is um, is the speaker style. So Diane, let's mm -hmm. let's jump into that just a bit and and um, yeah, you know, I think. Thoughts? Well, you know, again, it's so so subjective, and that's why I hope there's more than one person who's uh, selecting the speaker yeah. because you know you can get very personal about it. But speakers have different styles; they have different personalities, as we all do. Again, go, go back to the point of remembering they're human beings, and um, some can be very light and entertaining in how they present. Others can be a little more academic in how they present. And there's no right or wrong or whatever, but 
you want to know what style of delivery works best for your audience right. so that you you look for that type of speaker um and content you know how how much content do you want how much levity do you want you know all that you talked about storytelling really really important i mean i think any really good speaker is going to be a good storyteller there's no mm -hmm. question they go hand in hand because we all you know when you listen to someone telling a story it is it's like reading a book you know and you remember things over and over going to the movies over and over again in your head certain right. things and that's the messaging that <clears throat> the speaker's going to deliver and people are going to walk away with so i think that Kind of covers that but I, I i think i'm glad you asked that question because it's really important for the group to be saying you know what do we want this year what type of what style of whatever mm -hmm. and those are good questions to throw in that the beginning process and diane thank you so much for your time today i so appreciate it i'm i'm so thankful for you for for taking the time to to visit with us i'm also very very grateful for your uh volunteering to be a resource on our on our resource page of the website to talk about speaker uh contracts i think that that uh this will create some thought in a lot of military reunions and so hopefully they will be Excellent. reaching out to you it's really um, my pleasure and um from the moment i met you and you told me about the organization i just felt um i don't know just connected in some way yeah and i i really appreciate this opportunity to to talk with you again and and look forward to working with you and your members and anything i can do to help just please don't ever hesitate to reach out well, I really appreciate it, Diane. And for those of you that are wanting to connect with her, you can go to the resource page of the Military Reunion Network website and scroll down to uh, speaker contracts. You'll see Diane's information as well as a link to her website. Uh, if you're looking for speakers, reach out to her. You can also look at the MRN Speaker Bureau page as well. We've got three fascinating uh, speakers listed. Joe Torillo, who was a New York City firefighter uh, who was buried uh, when the World Trade Center towers went down on 9-11. Uh, Bill Johnson, who is a Bob Hope impersonator, and then Hal Burke, who talks about uh, the history of the kissing sailor photograph, and George Mondanza, who uh, is a veteran that uh, actually was the kissing sailor. So thanks again for joining us today. We really appreciate it. To our veterans, thank you so much for your service. Uh, we hope you hear it often, and we hope you never tire of hearing it. Until next time, we will see you. Have a great day. Thanks.